obviously, when we approach the topic of hearing God's voice, it's a massive category. So we have to narrow it down. Today, I've told you the message is called Hearing God's Voice in the Bible. And my goal and what I'm really going to convey primarily is how the Bible and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit personally, how they work together and that they're not in competition. And the first way I would like to bring this to you, and the the thing I want to put as a stake in the ground, and it's vital, whether we know it or not, and it's a part of this conversation, is I want to say this to you, that we are a people of the Word, and we are a people of the Spirit. We're not a people of one or the other. We are a people of both. And I know when we talk about hearing God's voice, there can be great confusion, especially as you look out on the landscape of Christianity, you find that various churches and denominations, they camp around specific doctrines as to what they believe regarding hearing God's voice. Some do believe that God speaks today by a spirit and some do not. Some people say that God only speaks through the Bible and that is the only way that he speaks because they were taught that or they were told that or quite frankly, they've seen too many bad examples to believe otherwise. But I just want to tell you today that as we discover in the word of God itself, it shows us that the purpose of the word in its foundation is necessary for us, but it also shows us that hearing the voice of the spirit is important for those that are following Jesus. And when you look out at all of these various churches, which we may come from, and here we are, God's called us to be here together. Here we are, this big family of people, of a couple thousand people, and we have all of these backgrounds, and we've been taught all of these things, and we've, we've been raised in certain traditions and raised with certain doctrines, and here we are today together. Amen. Just go ahead and smile. Here we are as this big family with all of this robust background. What do we believe about hearing God's voice together? What is it that I'm talking about, or what do we teach as a church? And it's funny because when you look at reform-type churches, you find that they emphasize accurate study, interpretation, doctrine, and scripture. It's all about about learning. It's all about studying the Bible. It's all about getting it right. And then you look at Pentecostal charismatic churches and they emphasize the voice and the power and the baptism and the gifts of the spirit. And they want to talk about hearing and doing and all of that. And so you have, it seems like they're in competition with how some people believe in the way that they talk about this subject. But the fact is, Our church, Northwest Church, we are a people of the word and the spirit. We are a people that want both, need both, because we know that God is involved in both. I heard it said once, I would give credit to the author, but I don't know who it is. All word and no spirit, we dry up. All spirit and no word, we blow up. But with both word and spirit, come on, we grow up. And that's what we're seeking to do, is to be those that grow up into all things. As a Pentecostal charismatic church here at Northwest, we teach, we model, we emphasize, and we encourage hearing the voice of God personally. But as a Bible church, we teach, we model, we encourage, and we emphasize the study, and I would say the accurate study and application of God's holy word. But I know this, there's no doubt in my mind that many of us have been affected by bad examples and potentially bad teaching. You don't even have to go that far to hear somebody get it wrong. You don't have to go that far to see somebody say, God told me, or in the name of the Holy Spirit, or God spoke to me. You don't have to turn on much television to realize, sometimes even on Christian television, many churches, the way they steward this, the way they talk about it, you just don't have to go very far to see some bad example of a person that is not hearing from God. And we all know it. 
We've been through it. We've tolerated that. And so it could be that maybe you come from a background where you're more comfortable with just the Bible and just the teaching of the word. And it could be that whenever Pastor Ben at the end of the service starts saying, the Lord gave me a word today, you start to internally cringe, but you don't want to tell me and you don't want to say anything, but maybe it is that you feel that way. There's a couple brave souls in the room that actually told me that, and I want to tell you, thank you for your courage. I ended up in a conversation not that long ago with a person that's been here as long, longer than I have, and they said, man, the whole time you've been here, whenever you prophesy, I just kind of like something happens on the inside of me. I get a little nervous. And I thought, well, that's got to go. Because I'm not changing, you know, I'm just ruined by the voice of God. But I think there comes a misunderstanding of, well, how do we see the word and the voice of the spirit? Do we equate the two and we don't? We need to understand they both have a purpose, but they're not the same purpose and they're not equal. And so I want to do the best that I can to explain how that works together today. But let me start by saying four things that we are not saying when we say God speaks today. Number one, we are not saying that God is still adding to his word. That's called extra biblical revelation. That's the book of Mormon. That's the Quran. That's different doctrines today with various cults. We are not adding to the Bible. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that what we say the Holy Spirit might be talking about today is equal to God's word. That's, that's extra biblical revelation. We are not saying that God has changed his mind. Occasionally a person will say, well, God's speaking to me. And in the Bible, it's contradicting what they're saying. So if a person says God spoke to me and the Bible's clear in opposition with them, then the Bible's true and they're wrong. Amen. Go ahead and say amen. Come on. The, the Bible takes precedent over what anybody says the Holy Spirit might be saying. That's unbiblical revelation. We are not saying that God only speaks to a few. I call that special revelation. Like there's a couple people that can walk up to the top of the mountain in the Shekinah glory and hear the Lord and come back down and tell everybody else who can't do that what God is saying. We don't believe in that. We believe that because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that those who call on the name of the Lord have the Spirit of God living in them. You don't have to be Pentecostal to have that theology. God's spirit lives in those who call on the name of Jesus. In the old covenant, that wasn't possible. It's why they freaked out in the book of Acts chapter two, when it says that people looking at what was going on, they must be drunk. And Peter says, You're, we're not drunk as you suppose. The reason that they looked intoxicated because they realized that they had something available to them that even people in the Old Testament primarily didn't have except for prophets, priests, kings, and judges. So they were really excited about that, and so are we. We're not saying God only speaks to a few people. We are not saying God wants to confuse people. I call that odd revelation. Every now and again, you may have grown up in a church, and it was just that one person that prophesied occasionally. Thus saith the Lord, yea, I say unto thee, all of my children, you know, Elizabethan English. You know, I've never really been a part of that, but many of you have talked to me about it before, and it was always like right when the worship goes down and somebody begin to shout. You know, in our church, we don't let that happen. So if you really feel it, you know, like just something kind of comes upon you and the worship goes down, don't scream out something from the Lord. Don't do that. We believe prophecy should be weighed. We believe prophecy should be shared. We believe prophecy should be accountable. And if somebody's just screaming out of the crowd, it's not accountable. We don't know who that sir or ma'am is. And so every now and again, I've corrected somebody that's done that and they get mad at me and they walk out. And I say, don't walk out, receive the correction. 
But see, that's the problem is because there's so much confusion about what we've been raised in. We think we should just be able to do these things. And it's not that we don't welcome the gifts of the Spirit because that's been told to me before. I've had people say, well, I thought we were Pentecostal. And I said, we are, but that doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. One time I told somebody, you can't come. Oh, you're going to clap? Okay. I got more, guys. Come on now. One time I was told somebody started waving flags, you know, and I'm not against flags, but they wanted to do it in front of everybody, almost hitting people. And I said, stop waving your flags. And they said to me, I thought we were a charismatic church. I said, we are, but I don't think it's appropriate for you to do this without asking leadership. Just like you don't come into my house and start saying crazy stuff to my children without talking to the parents first. This is just common sense, people. It's just common sense. And we've been told that feeling something from the Holy Ghost means that we can do whatever we want. That's not the Holy Spirit. And so some of you and I, we've been through things before. And so we have this cringe whenever a person starts talking about what the Holy Spirit is saying or doing. And I just want to tell you, we got to roll back and talk about what do we really mean by all this? I believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in all of the power of the Spirit. But I also believe some people say what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing, and it's not the Holy Spirit. And because we don't like feedback, we don't like correction, we don't like assessment, we, don't, we take it personally, and we say, God is judging this church. I've had people say, God is judging this church. And what they mean is, because you don't receive what I have to say, God is judging this church. You're not a prophet, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, this is how much confusion that there is. It's crazy. So it's like, how do you become a, a people of the word and a people of the spirit and walk that line so that we can have something that is healthy? Don't you want a healthy prophetic ministry? Don't you want it healthy? Like when God speaks through someone, there's actually fruit at the other end of it. Isn't that what we want? I don't want less of God's voice. I want more of God's voice. I just don't want all the weird stuff. I just don't want the strange things. So we don't believe in odd revelation. I hope you guys are with me. I might be provoking all kinds of stuff here today. That's fine. We're stirring it up. That's cool. I don't want odd revelation. I don't. I, I just, to me, there are two kinds of people. There are people that are odd in God's presence. They're like this living in the wonder and awe of God. And then there are people that are just odd, you know? And uh, I want us to be the people that are awed by God. You know what I mean? And we, li we live under his divine guidance in scripture. And then as we move by the spirit, we do so in accountability. We do so in health. We do so in a way where we don't call everything the Holy Spirit. And uh, you're talking to somebody that's been around, been there, done that. So I just want to bring up a couple things. I'm, Pastor Ryan, I'm just going off today. It's, it's all good, guys. You're the third service. I'm getting a little loose. I'm sorry about that. We're going to rein it in. Pastor Ben, rein it in. Here we go. A couple things I want to talk to you about today. The first is we need God's eternal voice through scripture. Now I want to give you a couple reminders today in case you forgot or it's been a while. The Bible is not just a book. It's a library of books, 66 books with over 40 human authors written in three languages originally spanning a time period of 1500 years. It contains multiple accounts of history, hundreds of fulfilled and yet to be fulfilled prophecies, ancient proverbs, poetry, important first century letters. We find a unity of subject, structure, and spirit 
with a consistency of moral and doctrinal teachings throughout its entirety. We're talking about a time where there were no planes, trains, and automobiles. They couldn't confer with each other. And isn't it amazing when you read this book and people wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and they couldn't communicate together and yet somehow this book is unified. It's a miracle, friends. It is a miracle. You're looking at a miracle in God's holy word. There is no doubt about it. And I believe this, you cannot understand what God is saying today by his spirit if you do not understand his word. It is just not possible. And the more we study his word, the more we discern his voice. The word and the personal voice of the spirit are not in competition. They just have a different purpose. Here's what the purpose of the Bible is. The Bible shows us who God is, his supremacy. Throughout its pages, we learn about our great God. It shows us who his son is. It shows us who the Holy Spirit is. It shows us what God is like, his character, his nature, his virtue. It shows us who we are as human beings, who we are in our creation, what God created us for, how we were even created. It shows us our purpose. Why are we here and what are we supposed to be doing? It shows us our history and that we fell in sin and that God had a plan through his son Jesus in redemption and salvation through Christ. And it shows us what we're to be doing in the world as we follow Jesus. Our purpose and our mission is to see the lost saved and disciples made. This is what God has called us to. And the Bible reveals all that. So when we look to hear the voice of the spirit, we don't need to know all of that. It's already written into the word of God. And isn't that the wisdom of God to give every people of every nation of every time period one book so that we would all be accountable? Isn't that the wisdom of God? When you just think about your friendship circles and your family and you realize how often you all disagree, how often our society disagrees and how many times we change. Everyone changes, ideologies change, culture changes, popular opinion changes, but the word of God does not change. And that's the wisdom of God to give us such a book because he knew if I don't write it in stone, they are gonna live in crazy town in every generation. And we don't want to live in crazy town. I don't wanna live there. I don't wanna buy a house on Crazy Avenue. And I thank God for the stability that is found in his word. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. How many of you have been looking at your grass wither in these days? And it just speaks to your heart. As I said it, you thought, yes, it does. The grass does wither, doesn't it? I went out one day, it was burnt, it was gone. Kind of like my hair is going, you know. Here's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. He's talking about the prophecies of the Old Testament. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That's the second coming of Christ. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture. Did you see that? Prophecy of Scripture. There's different prophecy. There's prophecy that we share sometimes from this stage, New Testament prophecy, the gift that is to build up the body. It is not the same prophecy in scripture and prophecy today for the body. They're not the same. He says, no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Peter was a direct disciple. He was an eyewitness of his coming glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
as well as the truth of his resurrection. And he could affirm the Old Testament prophecies. He was with Jesus for three years. He was with them all the way to the end. And he wrote this letter to established churches who began to listen to all of these prophets that were coming into the church during those days. And they were saying things that were not true that Jesus had already returned and that Jesus was giving them a special revelation. And Peter points out that we have a prophecy that I can attest to that is made more sure than what these people are saying. And it has stood the test of time and that is the word of God. And he points out to them that you don't have to be fickle. You don't have to wonder and wander. You know what God says because it's written into his word. He had to remind that church then and we've got to remind our church today that the word of God stands forever. We need the word of God. He said, no scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, which literally means that it's from God. He says, people, men were moved by the Holy Spirit, which is like the wind in a sailboat that takes the boat from one side to the other side. That's what the Spirit of God did. When human authors were writing, the Spirit came upon them and breathed life into them. And as they wrote, it was as though the words of God. This is what Peter says. In fact, it's what Paul says to Timothy as well in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Did you notice it says inspired by God? We tend to think of the word inspire like, you know, I was just inspired to do some artwork today, or which if you're artistic, go for it. But I mean, I was inspired to write today. I was inspired to be nice to someone today. We think of the word inspired, not in a biblical term. When this says inspired by God, it literally means God breathed. The Greek word is theonoustos, and it meant God breathed. It's not just they felt like writing, they were filled with the spirit of God as they did. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is this. It's the unique voice of God for every generation and it does not change. That's why the Bible is in a category all on its own. When someone talks about hearing the voice of God today, they are not equating what they're hearing with the Bible. And if they are, do not listen to what they say. The Bible is unique and it does not change. It is the standard for us all. I want to quote, uh, I have a quote from this book that I heard that was a pretty good book. When God spoke to the writers of scripture, he made sure that there was 100% clarity in their receiving of revelation and 100% accuracy in their writing of his revelation. For scripture to be written as the eternal word or voice of God, there could be no misunderstanding or wrong interpretations involved. This is not to suggest that God doesn't care about the clarity in which we hear him today, but rather we emphasize the sovereignty of God over the process of forming scripture. God did not allow the Bible to be wrong and therefore it is in a category of hearing God all on its own. It's unique in our desires that everyone would honor it in such a way. When we're seeking to hear the voice of God personally, we understand that it is within the context of what has already been given to us. Sometimes I talk about it this way. The Old Testament is like a foundation. The New Testament is like a house. And everything the Holy Spirit says to us fits inside that house. Everything that God says to us today fits inside that house. And that's how there's a congruency. That's how there's a balance. I wanna talk to you for a little bit about why we need God's personal voice through the Holy Spirit. And I wanna give you an illustration that is silly and I just wanna admit it to you up front today. 
I like baseball. How many of you like the game of baseball? Okay. Do we have a sports church or not? I feel like every time I ask a sports question, how many of you like boxing, water polo? I, what, are you, what are you guys into? All right. Let's talk and connect after fellowship. I don't know. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu. What do you guys like? Okay. <laughs> Spearing or whatever. I don't know. The whole, the shot put. I don't, I don't know what you guys like. All right. But um, I like baseball. I grew up playing baseball. I, I have a hard time watching it unless I'm with you. I just have a hard time. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little fast paced, so it's a little slow for me. But I like playing it. I like playing sports. But here's the thing. A good illustration for how hearing the voice of God personally through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God work together, it comes from the world of baseball. It's imperfect, but it works. In baseball, there is a rule book, and everybody has to adhere to these rules. Every major league team has to adhere to the MLB rule book, right? As this is just the way you play the game. No matter where your team is from, you all have a set of parameters, and within that, we try to play the game effectively so that we win. So here's the rule book, and we also know that every team has these languages that they develop. You know, the pitcher and the catcher. They have a language that they try to speak to each other in order to know what ball to throw, whether it's a strike or a knuckleball or whatever. The first base coach and the third base coach, they all have a language to tell their team what to do so the other team doesn't know. And sometimes the coach will even have a language that means nothing at all, and they're just trying to confuse the other team. Have you ever seen somebody on the sidelines and they're just doing like this, and they, they don't know what they're doing either? You look at them and you think, man, I wish I knew that language. Nobody knows that language. They're just trying to confuse everybody. And so my point is you have a rule book. Everybody plays by the same rules, but then each team has to develop a language by which they can communicate and play the game effectively. And although it's an imperfect story to kind of say what I'm saying, that is what it's like. As Christians, we all have the same book, every generation, every people of every kind. And, and yet we, as we live by the book, we also know that God speaks to us by the Spirit so that we can live what the book says effectively effectively. And there are a lot of ways that I could convey that to you today, many examples in scripture, but there is one that I want to talk to you about that to me brought an aha moment. And maybe you won't walk away today and get your mind be blown. But for some reason, when I read this passage years ago, it really solidified what I'm talking to you about today. And it's in Acts chapter 16 and verse six. And this is where the apostle Paul was traveling on his missionary journey. It's the end of missionary journey one, and it's at the beginning of where he's going to travel to his second missionary trip. The Bible records three. And this is what it says in verse six. It says, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Did you see that? They're out there speaking the word, but the Holy Spirit told them where not to do it. Isn't that interesting? You see the two working together. After they came to Mycenae, they were traveling to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night and a man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in the city for some days. And the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled there. 
Now, this story is really powerful. If you keep reading it, you realize that's where Paul met Lydia and a couple other ladies that were there by the river, and the church at Philippi was born. It's an incredible story. But what I'm bringing up to you today is this. Paul was previously a Pharisee. This is where his name was Saul. He said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul knew the Old Testament better than us. Amen? Paul knew the Old Testament. He was trained in the Old Testament in ways that many of us have never or will never be trained. But we also know that he was trained and taught in the teachings of Jesus and the apostles' doctrine because before he ever set out on his missionary journey, he had 13 years with the disciples of the disciples and the council at Jerusalem, and he was with the believers at Antioch. 13 years of training on top of what he already knew about the Old Testament. This is a guy that absolutely knew the call of God and the mission of Jesus. He knew the truth of God's word better than we do probably. And so he's out there and he knows what his life is for. I am going out to preach the gospel. I am going out to make disciples. I am going out to plant churches. He has He has no questions about what he's doing because it's in the word. And yet he gets to a place as he's traveling through and he literally says this, that the Holy Spirit forbid us to speak the word in Asia. How did he know what the Holy Spirit was saying? And why was he okay with it? Because Paul knew something that we have to know. We've got to know the word, what we're doing. But as we're doing what the word says, we need to hear the voice of the spirit to be guided into the details of what that looks like. Where does God want me to go? Who does God want me to speak to? What has God called me to put my hands to? Friends, I want to tell you today, you need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can study the Bible and we must do that. It is God's eternal truth. That is true. I'm not taking away from that. But within the context of what the word says, there are things that the Holy Spirit wants to show us. And you can't get that outside of being a person of prayer. You and I have to be men and women of prayer. And it's not just so that we sort of high five God and hey, I had a devotion time. It's that we literally need God to speak to us about all kinds of things in our life. This passage shows that Paul had an understanding of that. He had a capacity for that. And don't you love how it says here in chapter 16 that Paul, when he was told by the Spirit not to go into Bithynia, they went over to Troas and he fell asleep. I just, to me, that ministers to my heart. He fell asleep. And while he fell asleep, he had a vision from God and was a man from Macedonia says, come over here to Macedonia. And I love what the scripture says. And then we concluded that we should go to Macedonia. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works. And we're always looking for these big things. And it was like really clear. It was like not a cosmic puzzle. It was a guy literally in a vision. Come here. And Paul's like, I think we should go there. But you know, the context of Paul hearing the voice of God, very interesting. He's on mission with Jesus. And as he's on mission, God is directing him. As he's moving, God is speaking to him. See, sometimes we're not hearing very clearly because we have no intention of obeying. That's number one. But then number two, if we're not already taking steps, we're that parked car and we're gonna wait there forever. Like I just need to know the end of the destination before I'm gonna even put the car in reverse or put the car in park and go where I need to go. Friends, sometimes you just gotta put the car in drive and start moving and God will begin to direct us. 
And we see there was this paradigm for how the two work together. I hope you see it. I hope you see it because it's vital. And here we have these different kinds of churches today. We have churches that are focused on, we're a church of the word. And then we have churches like, we're a church of the spirit. And, and it's like these emphasis, but what about being a church that's both? Amen. That's the church that we are. We need both. And we understand the word has a purpose and it's not equal to hearing the Holy Spirit, but we still believe we need to hear the Holy Spirit. Here's what I believe today. Maybe two out of five of us, you, you came in to church on this Sunday, this beautiful summer day, and maybe you wouldn't have said this walking in, but you will say this walking out. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit. And you're frustrated, but it's really that you need something from him. You don't need, men and women cannot give you what God is trying to give to you. We often look for it from our spouse or our kids or our job or this, but God wants to speak to our hearts. You don't have to have a directional word every day in every way. Friend, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about having a word or whether you should buy butter or margarine at the store today, amen? Just make a choice. Butter. <laughs> or if you're vegan, it's futter, fake butter, whatever that is, you know. Trust me, I know, it's at our dinner table every night. But I don't partake. I'm holding out, amen. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry if you're vegan. It's just, there's pain attached to this one, you know. God speaks to our hearts, you know. Sometimes I get a little like, I'm never nervous about talking about things that happen with me. I don't want to make it about me, but I, sometimes the Lord speaks to me about things where I just like literally say, Lord, did you really need to tell me that? I mean, am I that dull? This is, this is so simple. I'm like, but it's, you know what I think he does? He's training my senses to be, become more sensitive to the spirit of God. He's, he's, he's just trying to say like, I'm in the details. He's just trying to show me like, I'm as close as, as you, you say I am. I'm right here. I see those decisions that you make. I see the things you're involved in. I know the emotions that you have, the feelings that are going. God like literally does know that. You know, we say it to other people, but we don't often believe it for ourselves at times. But God knows it all. And sometimes he wants to just show us like, I'm not even telling you this because of what I want you to do. I just want you to learn how to hear me. I want you to learn how to hear that I love you. You know, as a parent, sometimes I just tell my kids, I love you, and I don't tell them things I need them to obey. I just, as a good father, my wife as a good mother, we just want to say we love you and we're proud of you. Did you know God says stuff to, the, to us like that? And he's training us how to hear him. Our relationship with God is not just about marching orders from heaven, but so often that's what we've reduced it down to. And it's transactional and it's functional rather than he's a good father and he's better than we thought. Can you hear that today? Can you hear the father say, I love you? Does that mean he validates everything that we do or he's proud of our sin? No, but as a good father, he wants to pick us up out of those things. He wants to speak to us more than we want to hear him. It's the truth. He wants to baptize us with an awareness of his presence and his person and his direction in our life. God wants to do that. What are the practical implications of this? The Bible tells us that children are a blessing from the Lord, Psalm 123. The Bible tells us that we are to raise our kids in the admonition of the Lord. The Bible says to fathers, do not exasperate your children, amen. I've done that. 
So it gives us some parameters, but let me ask you this. When you have one child and then you realize in your second child that you have just received someone that is entirely different than the first. <laughs> and you feel like woefully inadequate and you thought, man, I'm ready for this. And then child two comes and you're like, dang. You did not get an automaton. And then you get child three and you're like, wow. And then child four and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And so you're just really loose with them, you know. You just walk into the dinner, in the dinner table, you just throw a piece of meat on there and say, you've got a brain, figure it out. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just joking. I mean, but aren't you grateful that although the word gives us parameters on what we are to do as Christian parents, that in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit will speak to us on how we are to raise our kids specifically because their hearts are different, their minds are different, their experience is different. Aren't you grateful that God gives you words of knowledge and words of wisdom? I can't tell you how many times God's given me a word of knowledge when my kids were in trouble and they were actually, you know, spiritually God showed it to me and then naturally they got in, you know, they got in trouble when they got home. My son will tell you stories like, I just, and I love saying this, like, okay, what did you do today? And they're like, oh, nothing, it was good. No, I mean, what did you do today at school? today. I've had that happen. I love that, you know, but here's the thing. You got to be a person of prayer. And then there are times where the Lord doesn't just show us negative things, but he shows us also positive things about our kids because we want to nurture their hearts in the Lord and speak to their calling and their destiny and help shape them in the ways of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in that. This is not just, just preach the Bible to them and make them memorize scripture. I mean, that's great. But the Lord wants to lead us in a relational way to speak to their hearts and raise them. And it doesn't matter if your kids are old, you still can speak to their hearts. You can still pray over them and God give you a word for their life. What about church? Where are we to go to church? Clearly, somehow we all felt like we were supposed to be here. Clearly, we, I mean, some of you kids are like, oh, I didn't. <laughs> you know, you'll get to choose when you get older. Don't worry. <laughs> God leads us. We, we clearly know that we're supposed to be part of a local church, but how do you know which one to be a part of? How are you led? Baptists say, I, we've, I felt a peace. Pentecostals say, God spoke to us. It's all the same thing. I've got friends that don't believe that what I'm talking about and hearing the voice of God, but it's funny how they always say like, you know, I just had a real peace about that. I go, oh, what does that mean? They go, I don't know. I just had this peace. Like it was from God. Okay. When you say peace, do you mean like maybe he communicated to you? Like, you mean possibly that like God was trying to like communicate something to you by giving you? So what does that peace mean to you? Does that mean like settled some stuff in your heart to like help you to know this was the right decision? Is that kind of what we're talking about? They're like, yeah, God spoke to you. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> they quickly want to back up, you know, because they don't want to use certain words. We're talking about the same thing, guys, no matter how you say it. You know, you use your words. I don't really care. But what about retirement? When you, you live life, you know, you've got your, your younger days and then you've got your career days or family days or single days or whatever your context is. And then you get to that phase where you're done with your job and you enter into a new place of life where you've never been before. What does God want to do in your life then? What about then? You know what? You need a word from God. That's what you need. Isn't it amazing how in our grief and in our missing the way things used to be, 
Sometimes we're always trying to go back. Isn't that right? We're always trying to go back because we, we we, we're familiar with that. We miss that. We long for that. And we're trying to go back. You know how many people over the last couple of years as I've sat with many from our church and I listen to the grief of their heart, I get it. The church is different. The world is different. Man, you can't even go to the store without it being different. You got, they only have one door open now. You can't even go in two doors anymore at the store. They like blockade it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. The world has changed and we want to go back. Isn't that right? We want to go back. And friend, I want to tell you, we've got to stop trying to go back. Let's go forward. And you know how you do that? You hear the voice of God. God has a word for your life in your retirement to make it a refirement. God has a word for this chapter and this season in our life, but he's calling us to seek him. I could give you all kinds of practicals. Well, how do you hear God? And how do you know it's God? And how do you discern it's the voice of God? And how does he communicate? Well, all that, maybe I'll talk about it next week. But the fact is, none of it really matters unless we're marked by a pursuit and we really want to hear him. Maybe you didn't know this today, but you came into church. You need to hear God. And for those of you that are in that place, maybe you're hearing him and you're just walking out what you know is true right now. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing it. But there's some, man, you, you, need, you need to hear the Lord. Like you're in that season today. I need to know what he's saying to my life. God, how do I be faithful and steward what you've given to me? And what I would tell you to start is, man, just get an appetite for the word of God. I know I preached about it today, but you know what it's like? It's kind of like um, if you've ever poured concrete, the first thing you do is you put a frame in, Right? You put a frame in so that when the concrete is poured, because the concrete's wet and before it hardens, you want it to harden into something that you have fashioned. You have framed this out. This is what you want it to look like when it hardens. So you have to put that frame out there. And then when the concrete is poured and it starts to harden, it looks like what you originally intended for it to look like. But if you didn't have a frame and you were just to pour concrete, I mean, how many of you know that wouldn't be very helpful? And that's what it's like when we ask God to speak to us, but we're not really pursuing his word. As we study God's word, we're putting in framework so that when God pours his voice into our life, it's like pouring in that concrete into a framework. It makes sense. It fits into the structure of our life. We're stewarding God's voice by being those that study his word. We're starting to discern what he is saying, but it's not rocket science, guys. I'm telling you. If we don't give God a lot to work with where we can hear his voice and we know his character and what he's like and how it's been before and how it's gonna be for us, if we're not in that place of having an appetite for God's holy word, it's gonna be really hard to hear the voice of the spirit. It's gonna be really hard. And so I wanna encourage you to start there. And one of the things we don't do is start to feel guilty about what we're not doing. We ask God for an appetite. Amen. Give me an appetite for your word. Give me a hunger that I can't just muster up, but I want to be a man or woman of your word. And so give me that, Lord. Give me a hunger today that I don't just come to church and feel guilty. And I don't just look at my Bible and walk by. And I don't just think I ought to do more than I'm doing, but I literally have a hunger that comes from heaven. You want that, God will give it to you, but you gotta ask, amen. You gotta, you have not because you, we're together, very few of you said that, but we're together today. <laughs> you have not because you ask not. Well, why don't we ask God first for a hunger? A hunger. I wanna hear you. I wanna know and love and study your word so that when you speak, I've got that framework in place and then it comes in and it flows into that framework and I get it and I can obey what you're saying. God wants to do that today. He does. 
I was praying for our church and um, had a vision. The Lord speaks to me in visions. There are 234 references in the Bible to visions and dreams. In case you're wondering if that's a biblical concept, it is. It is. Amen. And I had this picture, and I want to share it with you because I think it's for some here today. I saw this picture of someone putting together a puzzle. A few of you, you know a little bit about that. I'm not much of a puzzler, but I've done a few. And you were putting together a puzzle, and you got pretty far in this puzzle, and then you got to a place where you knew you were missing pieces. Isn't that frustrating? You're missing pieces. Like you ever put in the frame, and then there's just a couple pieces of the frame that aren't there, and it feels like you can't keep going until you find them. And you know what we do? And in this picture, I saw this is like where you take the puzzle piece and you try to fit it in. The one that doesn't fit, you try to make it fit. And you're trying to convince yourself that it fits. Like it fits, it fits, it fits. And you're spending too much time and energy doing something that doesn't work and doesn't fit. That's what I saw in this picture. And they finally, the person finally gave up and was like, I I need help. And so they asked somebody, I don't know who they asked, but they asked somebody for help. And this person came, I could only see their hands, and they looked and scoured around for those missing puzzle pieces, and they found them, and they helped them put them into place and complete the puzzle. And I was praying about, Lord, what does this really funny picture mean? And he gives funny pictures like this, and here's what I wrote down, I believe is a prophetic word. Your life is that puzzle, and you have hit a place where you don't have the pieces that fit, and it's frustrating. You have a holy frustration. There's a few of you two out of five of you, you have a holy frustration. You just, there's these missing pieces and you don't know where they are or what they are. And here's what I hear the Lord saying. You need to hear from God. He will help you discover what you are missing, but he wants you to ask and keep on asking. He wants you to seek and keep on seeking. He wants you to knock and know the door will be open to you eventually. Today, God would give us an appetite for his word. He would give us a touch of the spirit to hear his voice. I would would like that. Would you like that today? Would you stand to your feet as I close? Let me ask you this question. When I said that, when I shared that vision, how many of you would be honest today? And it's not all of us, but there's a few of you. You came in today and you might be in a season of transition, a season of retirement, you feel a change, but you're, you're fr- there's a frustration in you and it's not because you're bad or you're disobedient. Maybe it's because you have some missing pieces and you need God to fill those in. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? I wanna pray for you. Just raise your hand if it's you. I've got some missing pieces and I need God to help me find them. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you are a God who speaks today. You tell us what we need to know. You help us hear your voice and understand what you are doing. And thank you, Lord, that as we look out at the landscape of our life and we feel like we don't know, we also know that you know. Your word says, I know the plans that I have for you. You are a God that knows the end from the beginning. And Lord, we're asking you today that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, not just once, but give us a desire and a life that is marked with a pursuit of what you are saying, that we might be a people that rely on you and obey you with all of our hearts. And I just pray for our church um, that we would not be a people that are just of the word or just of the spirit's voice, but we are a people of the word and the spirit. Give us a hunger for both. 
We put a stake in the ground and we ask you to come today and touch our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would baptize us fresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask you to touch our lives that we might be those that obey you in these days. That if there's a frustration, Lord, turn that into intercession. Turn that into pursuit and mark us in such a way we receive it now. And that, if that's you, just even say that to the Lord. I receive that today. I receive that from you. We're not looking to men or women or permission from others. We're actually, we need a word from God. We need it from you, Lord. We acknowledge that we need what you give. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So come today and speak to our hearts. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.